You're listening to Randall Parker's Film Club with me, Randall Parker. On today's podcast we'll be taking a look at a film from the list of the greatest films of all time. Then later on we'll have a look at another film requested by a listener. We'll have a few emails, a Randall recommends, and we'll have another go at our section, They Did What? But firstly... I'm glad to announce that after just over six weeks, Boom is finally home. She returned back last Wednesday. Uh, it didn't go as smoothly as we'd planned. So what happened was, me and Mr White, we picked up Mum from the hospital round about one, and she got discharged, and at the time, I thought she'd got a strange look on her face, and then I realised it was just a smile. I hadn't seen one of them on there for years. Anyway, we get in the car, and Mum sits in the front with Mr White, and I'm in the back, and Mum starts to sing a song to Mr White. And then he joined in. What a fucking racket. It sounded like two whales fucking. Then she reached across and put her hand on Mr White's and said, We've wasted so much time, Frank. And he said, I do love you, Maureen. At the time I thought, Who the fuck are Frank and Maureen? I just presumed it was a line off an old TV programme or something. But it turns out that's the first names. Maureen Parker and Frank White. Who knew? Anyway, we get home, right? And... As soon as we get there, Mum's mood changed. She began to cry, like a real powerful cry, and the smile slipped from her face. Right, then she made a beeline straight for the fruit bowl, grabbed a bunch of bananas and legged it upstairs, climbed in the airing cupboard, slammed the door shut, and she was there for a day and a half. Mr White did pop round on Friday afternoon and ask if perhaps Mum wanted to go stay with him for a while, but he caught her mid-crap, so she didn't give him a proper answer. So, things are basically back to normal round here. Well, back to how they were before Mum assaulted the Asda security guard anyway. Randall Parker's Film Fact Many people think that Sean Bean is the actor who has died the most time in films, but he's actually actor Danny Trejo, who has died 65 times. Sean Bean has only died 23 times. 24 if you count when Saturday comes. Randall Parker's Film Fact Donna from next door came round yesterday just to see how Mum was settling in. Jackson, with two X's, and John Wick, all one word, came with her. Old Jackson stood there drooling on the old rug, John Wick playing with a box of matches. Anyway, that was nice of her and showed Mum people are thinking of her. And then she asked if she could borrow 20 quid off me. Emails. Right, so on to emails. And the first email comes from a bloke called Richie Swade from Chiswick. Never been to Chiswick. In fact, I've got no idea where Chiswick is. But it does sound posh, doesn't it? Chiswick. 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 Yeah. Anyway, the email goes, Dear Randall, I am a bald man and I am tired of seeing the same bald actors on screen year after year. Jason Statham, The Rock, Vin Diesel. As a bald man, I feel we deserve more. Where are the new generation of bald actors? I fear my son, who is 12, may not have any on-screen representation when he reaches my age. Where is the fresh crop of baldies coming from? Keep up the good work, Richie Swade. That's a good question, Richie. A fucking good question. I mean, every generation has its bald actors, doesn't it? I mean, my mum's generation had Yul Brynner and Telly Savalas, like my generation, had mainly Bruce Willis, and Richie has got the Statham, the Rock and the Diesel. But what with hair transplants becoming more popular, we don't seem to be getting as many as we used to, do we? I mean, if you look at the fresh crop of actors now, there ain't an egghead amongst them. Well, I do know you've got Mark Strong, but everyone knows he ain't a leading man, is he? He's main henchman at best. 
this is something that's going to need addressing. Where is the bald representation going to come from? I think you should write your MP, Richie. Thanks for the email. Strange sounds from the dark corridor. That's right, someone's lifted up a rock and he's crawled out from under it. We've had another email from fellow podcaster and arch-nemesis, The Dark Corridor. Now, The Dark Corridor says, Dear Andal, I happened upon your latest podcast and it appears you have achieved something that up until now I thought was impossible. You have managed to drag the quality of your podcast even lower. The fact that you are now reviewing films of people who email in stinks of desperation and is a prime example of the tail wagging the dog. People tune into a classic film podcast to be curated through the most moving pieces of art that mankind has ever produced. Not a film about a 50-year-old Yorkshireman playing football in the mud. As for your new section, They Did What, it's clear that you do not understand the value of cinema. A film isn't just a narrative acted out. It's so much more. It's a mood or feeling, and more importantly, it's a snapshot of the period of time in which the film was made, faults and all. The film you picked on Soulman may not be a classic, but it does reflect the times in which it was made and should be viewed as such. I have lost count of the times I have asked you to stop ruining people's lives with your podcast, but I implore you once more, stop this nonsense. Kind regards, The Dark Corridor. Mm. Well, Mr Dark Corridor, sounds like you're condoning racism there. Mm, who knew? I bet he's always round Nigel Farage's house. Strange sounds from the dark corridor. He does love to waffle on, don't he? I'm sure it won't be the last time we hear from old Tommy Robinson. Shall we do a review? Now, reviews. We have been inundated with requests for reviews from listeners. And we're going to get around to all of them as the weeks go by. So for now, we're going to drop down to just one film from the list of greatest films of all time. Now this one, it's a quite recent film, 2020, and it won an Oscar for Best Foreign Film this year. So it's got subtitles. And it's called Another Round. Well, in Denmark, where it was made, it was called Druk, which translates roughly into pissed as arseholes. Now, it's directed by a bloke called Thomas Winterberg, or Winterberg, don't know how to pronounce it, and it stars Mads Mikkelsen. You'll recognise him as the James Bond baddie from Casino Royale. You know, the one with the greasy hair and the gammy eye. Anyways, James Bond baddie is a schoolteacher and he's shit at it. Well, if you're in his class, you'd probably love him, wouldn't you? I mean, we had a teacher at school, Mr Alice Wright, and he'd had a breakdown. And if he made a noise like drop your bag on the floor or something, he'd jump out of his skin, go into his store cupboard and cry for the rest of the lesson. It was great stuff. Anyway, he's a shit teacher and he turns up at school one day and a load of the pupils and a load of the parents are there saying, you're wank, mate, pull your socks up. And he goes home and he says to his wife, am I boring? And she goes, yeah, love. Later on, he goes off to a birthday meal for one of his teacher friends and he has a full-on breakdown. And he says, fucking hell, my life is shite. One of his mates says, used to be ace, you know, but now you're wank. Used to do that jazz ballet and dance about the place. Now you just walk around all moody. Another one of his mates says he's read a book that humans aren't quite drunk enough and should walk around slightly pissed. Not full-on wankered, but just slightly pissed. So, <clears throat> so old James Bond buddy decides to have a crack at this, and on the whole it works. 
He gets to school as a swig of vodka and goes off to teach his class and it's a great lesson. He gets home and he's more attentive to his wife and kids. Next day he goes back to school and tells his mates and they do the same with similar results. Now I very rarely drink and if I do, one drink and I'm fucked. I start to do my Brian Blessed impression and if there's a cardboard tube off the bog roll you know I'm going to do my Chewbacca noises. But these guys, like, they seem really sound blokes when they're pissed. They make up a set of rules anyway, that you can't get too pissed and they've got to stay something like 0.05 drunk, whatever that means, and they shouldn't drink after 8pm or at weekends. Or go swimmingly until James Bond Batty decides to ramp things up. And he says, let's get 0.1 Nord drunk. And things get even better. Old James Bond baddie takes his wife and kids on holiday and he gets his tip in with his wife and she's loving it. She's not just letting him have a go at it so he'll repaint the kitchen, but I'm sure if she asked him, he'd have a go at it. He's that sort of man now. So the group of blokes decide that being 0.1 pissed worked well, so they have a go at binge drinking and that sort of fucks everything up and all falls to shit. James Bond Baddy's family ask him if he's an alky and he says no and then he finds out that his wife's been shagging someone else and that's the end of that. They all decide to stop drinking apart from one who carries on getting pissed all the time. Anyway, they all go back to being boring sods and the months pass and the one who's still drinking fucks off out on a boat, gets wankered and dies. At his funeral the remaining blokes meet up, have a meal and then James Bond Baddy gets a text off his wife saying, New bloke's dick isn't as nice as yours. Can we get back together? And he seems happy about that. When they leave the restaurant, they meet a bunch of pupils from the school who've just graduated and they have a drink with them and James Bond Baddy ends the film doing a big dance. Now I'm not quite sure what this means, but it's nice to see him being back happy and it does suit him. Now, as I said, this is a Danish film and there are subtitles in it. But if you don't like that, they're remaking it, so you don't need the subtitles. So keep your eye out for that one. It says on the internet that Leonard DiCaprio is taking the main part, but it's early days and it'll probably end up being Neil Patrick Harris or someone else, won't it? Now, I did enjoy this film, and there's something joyous about four middle-aged men rollicking around half-pissed that couldn't stop me from smiling. I really did enjoy this one. Ratings-wise, I'm going to have to put this on a par with something like Undefeatable with Queen of Kung Fu, Cynthia Rothrock in it. It's a delight from start to finish. That's another round. Watch that if you like seeing a dog that can't piss and an unshaven James Bond baddie dancing around a park bench. I was in the chip shop the other night and outside was Tommy Slippers, you know, in his gym jams, dressing gown, the full works. And he was telling me that Dealer Dave is now on remand and his dad has been suspended from duty pending further investigation. This has apparently caused a power vacuum in the local supply of 24-hour party goods and a few people are vying for the patch, causing the local area to be a no-go zone after dark. But Tommy Slippers does shit behind the bins of the local B&M so he can't rely on a word, he says. Now, a shout-out to all the gang down at White and Bailey Fabrication, where I work, when I'm not on furlough. Still the only one out of about a staff of a hundred. Turns out, due to the amount of work that's been created since the HS2 contract, they've had to start an evening shift system to get some of the jobs out of the place and hire a few more staff. Now, I did have a word with Mr White about this and said, surely that this means I'm starting back work. But apparently, it's got something to do with the fact that as I've been on furlough for so long, I'm not eligible for the evening shift work. 
something to do with red tape and his hands were tied. I told him that I fully understand and when the time comes I'll be there ready and waiting, so fingers crossed it won't be too long. Talking to Mr White, apparently when Mum was in hospital he used to nip along in the afternoons and visit her. Never told me that, and I was thinking about this, and when I was staying with him he was always talking about what if Mum stopped with him for a while when she got out, but I kept saying to him, it's not a good idea, I'd like to get back home so I could keep an eye on her. I caught Mum earlier trying to grab some more bananas out of the fruit bowl, but I said, no, the doctors have told you you're allergic to them. She weren't too happy about that. Right, I gave her an apple, and she said I could shove the apple right up my arse, as they're not as aesthetically pleasing as a banana. I think I'll just stop buying them from Morrison's when I do the big shop and get her a bag of pears or something. I did once try with a kiwi fruit, but she said she wouldn't eat anything that hairy, and they looked like a wizard's ball bag. Mum's downstairs at the moment, watching four in a bed on ketchup. They did what? Right, on to they did what. Now, we've had a few people email in about this new section of the podcast, and on the whole, you've liked it. I did get a couple of people emailing in, taking the piss, saying that they did some murders in those Saw films. Look, I know it ain't acceptable, but in a film like that, it's expected. We're talking about things that people said, yeah, that'll be fine, when it clearly ain't. Now, this week's film is from 1961, and it's quite a famous film called Breakfast at Tiffany's, and it stars Audrey Hepburn and George Pepper off of the A-Team. Now, a few years ago, it would have been OK to say that these two played a couple of prozies, a man prozzy and a lady prozzy, but nowadays we have to say they played a couple of sex workers. But that's by the by, and that's not why we're talking about the film. The real reason we're talking about Breakfast at Tiffany's is the racist portrayal of a Japanese man by short-arsed white Mickey Rooney. Basically, they just painted his face yellow, taped his eyes up uh, to give him an oriental look and gave him some comedy teeth. At some point, the director, Blake Edwards, thought that instead of getting a Japanese actor in to play it, he thought to himself, yeah, let's just take the piss out of the Japanese. Nah, mate, it's not on. They did what? A quick shout out to Dirty Janet, who got in touch with the podcast just to say that her antibiotics have kicked in and the front entrance is now back open. Randall's requests. Right, so last time I did a review that a listener had requested and it's proven to be quite popular. I've had a load of review requests come in and as the weeks go by we'll get around to doing them all. Now our first one is from a bloke called Mike and he wants me to review a film which was the second ever computer animated feature film called Ants. So Mike Oxlong, this is for you. So Ants was made in 1998 and directed by a couple of fellas called Eric Darnell and Tim Johnson. And it's got quite an impressive cast. It's got uh, Woody Allen, who is sort of the American Roman Polanski, Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone, you know, the no-pants lady from that sex film. Anyways, the film starts off with this worker ant who can't stop himself from moaning all the time. And everyone is like, shut your face, mate, and get on with the jobs like, you know, what normal ants do. Anyway, this ant is called Z, and he's got a mate who's a soldier ant, and they go off to the pub, and they decide to get pissed, and his mate goes off for a dance. But at that point, Z decides, I'll just fucking moan about everything. Then in pops an ant who happens to be a princess, and she says, how do to Z, and his underpants nearly explode, and they dance. She sort of lets it slip that she's the princess, and he's full-on horned up, and a fight starts, the princess legs it out of the place, and he's got a blue ball it. Anyway, Z becomes obsessed and he keeps on going to the bar in the vain hope of seeing her again. But she don't show. Then he hears that the soldier ants are going to go and see the Queen and the Princess for some reason. And so he asks his soldier mate, can we swap places? And his mate goes, yeah, alright then. 
Turns out, though, they ain't going to see the Queen, but are off to war, right? And they have a massive fight between some ants and some termites. And they all die, apart from Z, who hides in a cave and shits himself. Z comes back and says, Fucking hell, I kicked the hell out of them termites, but everyone else was killed. And he becomes a bit of an hero. So the general, who's a bit of a twat, by the way, introduces Z to the Queen and the Princess. And then, for some reason, the Princess don't like Z anymore. So Z kidnaps her, and they end up in the outside world. Anyway, General Twat decides to take everything over and this is where I started to get bored. We had ants a couple of years ago, you know, those flying little fuckers. I fucking hate ants, I do. I found it really hard to feel anything for them in this film. Anyway, Z and the Princess, uh, they don't get along and Z tells her to fuck off back. He's off to Insectopia, a place some pissed old ants told him about in a bar. She decides to follow him and they find a picnic and they try to eat something and then they get talking to a couple of gnats. Anyway... The gnats get swatted, and I really enjoyed that bit, but there weren't enough guts for my larking. Anyway, they both get stuck to the bottom of a shoe and end up in a bin, which turns out to be Insectopia. At this point, the princess starts to lust after Z, and then she gets kidnapped back by the soldier ants and taken back to the colony. Z goes back, rescues her, and General Twat floods the nest, and for some reason, he tries to kill all the ants. I'd lost interest at this point. Well, he don't manage it, and Z fucks him up, and they all live happily ever after. Now, I think you were supposed to be sticking up for Z, but I found him to be an annoying little twat. And when he nearly drowned, I got quite excited at that bit. I found this to be totally soulless, and I really had to fight with myself to stay to the end, not press eject on the DVD player and bung it over the back fence. Ratings-wise, I'm going to have to put this on a par with something like Jason vs Freddy, as on paper it looks a good idea, but when it's put into practice, it is a full bucket of dog shit. That was Ants. Watch that whilst you're boiling the kettle and seeking motivation to pour it down the cracks in your patio. Randall's requests. Enough time for this, I think. Randall recommends. Right, so on to Randall recommends this week. Brought to you in association with Kung Fu Dan's exclusive home cinema service. As I said last week, for eight quid a month, Kung Fu Dan will hook you up with the live stream cameras he's set up in the cinema where he works, and you can watch as much as you want, as long as they're showing it down at the ABC Cinema. This is what I did on Friday night, and I thoroughly enjoyed Venom, Let There Be Carnage. It's the sequel to the 2018 film, Venom. I don't know why they didn't just call it Venom 2. There are confusing this numbering system these days. In the olden days, you used to have Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4 and 5. But now it's all Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad. What the fuck is that all about? Anyway, Venom, Let There Be Carnage is out now. I thoroughly enjoyed it and they seem to have ironed out all the little problems they had with the first one, like actually having a decent story. Randall recommends... Well, that was jam-packed, wasn't it? Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, you can contact the podcast via email, randallparker1971 at gmail.com. You can send in your questions, words of support, or requests for film reviews. Ta-da for a bit. Mm-hmm.